0: Hello, common scientists. So just a reminder before we kick it off today, we are common scientists, keyword common, that means we are not experts when we approach different topics. The goal is to have a common science conversation. And that means approaching the table, that means asking questions. And especially today, when we talk about string theory, that means working to understand some complex ideas. Um, and being willing to make mistakes, refine, and come to a better conclusion as common scientists. So today, we are approaching the conversation of string theory. And I want you to pre, i want to preface. I want you to think a little bit about connection and connectedness. and, Imagine in your life all of the things that you have connections, and I would encourage you to think about this in your life as we approach this really kind of complex topic that is fascinating and surprising. So I'm going to start off by kicking it to our common scientist, Dre, and he'll give a little bit more background and understanding of the very basics of string theory.
1: Thanks, Lauren. So I will illustrate... Uh, String theory in a simplified way because I'm a simple person and essentially string theory in a nutshell. So let's take a nutshell And if we zoom in we're going to find cells, right? If we zoom in a little bit more we'll find atoms if we zoom in a little bit more we'll find particles such as like the nucleus and then we'll find protons neutrons electrons And for a long time, that was the general consensus that, like, the electron was, like, the smallest particle we could find. There was nothing more to that. Then we found things like quarks that were even smaller, even more basic elements of the makeup of the universe. And the standard, or not the standard model, but um, traditional physics stops there with the quarks. But string theory posits that there is actually one more step of zooming in, and that's where we get this string or a string-like filament that is vibrating at a certain frequency like an energy that is vibrating and each particle is actually manifested with a different vibration so for example a string like this tiny whatever infinitesimal string like filament is vibrating at this certain frequency that is an electron another filament Vibrating at a certain frequency that is a neutrino another frequency that is a quark and this is sort of the unifying idea of strings that Everything is made up of the same deal a string just simply vibrating at a different frequency
0: Dang So <laughs> common scientists there's a lot to unpack there stick around for the next couple of moments as we try to unpack a bit more of this String theory in the background that goes into it, but at its basic core what Dre kind of was saying is that there are itty bitty tiny pieces that make up everything around of around us, and they are vibrating, and that that in that means that they could be connected, right? So all of these vibrations and connectedness. So I'm gonna to toss it to Aiden for a little bit more background and understanding of string theory, and then maybe we'll hop into some physics.
2: Yeah, as Dre just to reiterate um, what Dre was saying with regard to the fundamental objects of string theory it's these strings right and there's open or closed strings and if you just think of a string like your your shoelace uh it can either be tied in a loop or it can just be in a straight line right and and as dre also said again uh these can have different vibrations and then these abstract representations in this Framework through which these physicists view the world uh, They use that to go on to make many other discoveries and and many other uh, Breakthroughs as far as better understanding our our universe and Yeah, I'm not sure if if Dre you'd like to uh, Take it from there, but yeah, why did you choose (coughs) string theory?
1: (laughs) Yeah, so I chose to talk about string theory today Simply because it is one of the more fascinating ideas theories that I've ever heard in explaining any part of the universe and It just really similar to what they talked about how the traditional method stops at um, Usually electrons, but even quarks and neutrinos and stuff like that Um, I had never really heard of string theory growing up going through the school system and right now it is actually one of the hottest um, topics in all of science and over the last like 35 years or so So um, I will contribute virtually nothing to string theory in my (laughs) life, I'm sure. Um, However, I would like, as a curious human being, I want to understand, like, what are the smartest people in the world talking about? And um, um, another question, just thinking about, like, why string theory? Like, where is this idea coming from? So to my understanding, there's never been any sort of observed string. Um, It is only that... Um, They're the mathematics that we have for understanding our universe, even going off of Einstein's theories of relativity. Is that if these strings are real, we could unify, we can make a unifying theory of everything, which many of our listeners are probably have heard this theory of everything. There's also a movie with Stephen Hawking, I believe, Mm -hmm. um, based off of that, or called that. And essentially, um, we have all of these different theories that work in their own sphere, like Newton's laws work on general like kind of in certain conditions like we have on earth but they break down as you get into space and go at higher speeds and stuff like that then we have einstein's theory of relativity that work throughout the universe until you approach like massive amounts of gravity like a black hole or until you approach the quantum field which is to really 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 infinitesimal things but the reason why string theory is so promising and so exciting for physicists and for life is that it if we find, or if they find, certain particles, certain things like strings, um, then they could possibly create a unifying theory that would connect every single theory that we now have and make it so we have a much better view of the universe and how to properly interact with it.
2: Yeah, um, and I yeah that's an awesome reason for choosing it. And I've also been fascinated by the the theory of everything uh, as as Dre. Uh, put it and just for our listeners to the when we when we talk about the theory of everything um, we're talking about a hypothetical single encompassing coherent framework of theoretical physics that can describe everything in the universe every phenomenon why gravity happens why xyz happens um so that's what we mean by when we talk about a theory of everything and as dre also mentioned so uh einstein had his general theory of relativity uh and then there was quantum mechanics that and these both of these theoretical frameworks and theoretical physical theoretical frameworks of physics uh arose in the the 20th century and and they ran into problems explaining certain phenomena like black holes uh and when there's something out there in the universe that we can't explain through some framework and there are experimental aberrations and when i say that there are things we're measuring that don't fit into the mathematical proof of the theoretic theoretical physics physics um yeah that's like where uh where some of these theories kind of need an alternative explanation uh so yeah that's why i think it is also uh, quite an exciting topic how about you lauren what were some of the things that were popping into your mind as you were preparing for this cast
0: Well, a couple of things. I think I want to take it back a bit to some of the more basic physics. But first, for all of our listeners out there who are like, oh my gosh, this cast is over my head. I just want to let you know that the first article that I read about this was an article written by an awesome science popularizer, Ethan Siegel. You should check him out. Um, And the title of this article was What Every Layperson Should Know About String Theory. So... I just want to put it out there that even for us common scientists, this was a cast that we had to bite off a while ago, and we even debated recording it a couple of times, and we were like, guys, we can't do this justice, we have to prepare more, we have to figure this out, so... Uh, we're going to do our best here to bring you a common science understanding, but just know that this shit is really complicated. <laughs> okay, so prefacing that, that's where my research started, um, was just in understanding why I should care about string theory, and I think it came down to a bit of what Dre said and Aiden touched on, that... This is a hot topic in science right now, and it is what some of the world's geniuses are talking about. And so I want to understand a little bit about why this is important and a little bit about what makes it so phenomenal in our understanding of the world, the universe, and of science. So that put aside, let's understand string theory a little bit better. So I think to understand string theory, we have to have a bit better understanding of physics. And I think when I say physics, a lot of people get nervous, and sometimes I even get nervous when physics comes up. So I'd love to hear from you guys what your first understanding or interaction was with physics.
2: My first experience or understanding of physics, uh, yeah, I mean, not a, not a particular moment comes to mind, and I'm also somebody who I think struggles a little bit uh, to uh I'm trying to think yeah just like struggles a little bit in my like in on communicating some of these things because uh yeah I guess I'm getting off on a little bit of a tangent but I I struggle to communicate some of these things because something that I have experienced since I was quite young uh in my early experiences and and on up is I've I'm definitely quite an abstract thinker and I mean I yeah I work in in network modeling now uh, which is like computer modeling and it's very abstract and so some of these concepts from early on in terms of like in terms of physics uh, came a little bit more easily or at least I noticed that um, so that's just something that comes to mind, I guess, is just that kind of tension that I had growing up of, yeah, just being f- quite fascinated and then also quite capable of of grasping some of the abstract notions, especially in the sphere of mathematics. So. So Aiden's
0: yeah. a nerd, Dre. <laughs>
1: Yeah, huge nerd. I definitely, I am a very common scientist. I do not grasp pretty much anything about physics. Physics. I am no physicist. I'm no physician. I can really tell them apart the half the time. So, yeah, all this is over my head. I really just like I started off with the string theory in a nutshell thing. I really only understand like all of physics through analogies. Really, um, when I hear great communicators like Brian Greene and Michio Kaku, if I didn't butcher his name, um, mm-hmm. talk about it. Um, and if you're interested, look into those two guys. I think they're probably the two best um, communicators on string theory out there. There's also great thinkers like Michael Dine, um, John Henry Schwarz, and uh, Andrew Strominger and stuff like that. But I think Brian Green and Kaku are, like, the best communicators and guys who can really break it down for you. And, like, oh, okay, I get the concept. None of the math, none yeah. of, like, the big ideas make any sense, but just, like... The analogies make a lot of sense and to go back to your original question what kind of our first or my first uh, interaction with physics or um the field uh i we had an 11th or 12th grade um at my high school we had a physics uh physics course and at that time i i literally had no idea what that word even meant and it was really really fun just kind of making these machines and like working with um I'm trying to propel certain whatever objects and dealing with things like physics or uh, friction and inertia and all that type of stuff. And the one project slash poster presentation that really stuck out was you had to um, demonstrate and calculate the math on different forces or vectors going in different directions. And the one that my partner and I being f- football teammates chose was like one of these like huge viral YouTube um, football plays where the safety on Michigan State, I believe, just, like, creamed this receiver on the Badgers, and we had to, like, predict, like, how quickly was this safety going, how quickly was, and at, at, a, at a, what angle was the receiver going, and at what force, like, measure, like, through their measurements, whatever, like, predict, like, how much can they squat, how much force are they um, in, uh, applying, et cetera, et cetera, and then say, like, what trajectory should they take, and all this type of stuff, and it was, like, super cool, and I was like, whoa, like, that was, like, the best maybe the best project i ever had in high school and like the most engrossing and that's what really made physics um i guess down to earth for me
0: yeah okay so now that i've been compared to the greatest uh people ever to communicate physics i'm gonna attempt to tell you guys what physics is so <laughs> like thanks for the preface You're of, third of dropping green coffee <laughs> <flowing>. yeah no <laughs> definitely not so after <laughs> I butcher this, you can go listen to them and then come back to our cast. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> physics what is physics? Physics is the study of matter. Now, what the hell is matter? Right? So, already unpacking this is a little bit challenging, but matter is anything that takes up space or has volume. So, anything that is anything um, a water bottle has matter, a car has matter, you are made of matter uh, builds the building blocks of life. Then physics generally also will look at how those things interact, how matter interacts, which involves forces and energy and motion and time. And when you use these things, a force, um, which is change in motion, energy, which is something that can create work or do something, right? Um, Time, which we understand usually pretty well, and motion you can actually create math that will predict an outcome of a situation. For example, when we're driving in our cars, speed limits and also some other traffic laws are developed based on our understanding of how much force or how much damage might happen to your vehicle in different situations, right? So we can use this math, we can use these physics, to create mathematical relationships that help us understand our world. And it's built into lots and lots and lots of what we do in our daily lives, including seat belts, including safety laws. And physics then more broadly is how all of these pieces interact, right? So string theory I think was quite phenomenal in the idea that all of these equations, each of these mathematical instances could potentially be connected, right? So if it could build one master super math equation that could both tell you how much distance was safe to stop in front of a stoplight and could tell you how much force is necessary to get into the stratosphere of space, right? Those are kind of a general, very, very simplified explanation. But in my understanding of physics, It was so cool the first time I was exposed, which was not until college, when I thought and got to see math with a story. So when everyone thinks of math, when I think of math, I think a lot of people think of it as some abstract thing, 4 plus 4, who cares, right? Well, I guess you need to know you have $8 if you have 4 and $4, right? But for me, it was the first time that I understood that as soon as someone put an X in equation, it it actually meant something. I could actually figure out, like you said, Dre, it was applied to a football example, right? And it was the first time I understood, and it sounds maybe similar to you, that you can actually predict outcomes based on math. It was so, so cool when I was first exposed to it. So I think having that maybe basis of understanding uh, can help inform our conversation.
2: Yeah, I think I mean, I'd like to say, Lauren, you've done a good job of of delineating the the two after having been prefaced by uh the the popular science authors and, and presenters that he had mentioned, but as and yeah, one thing that stuck out to me there, Lauren, uh and yeah, it's something that I've been puzzling over myself, but, uh, and it was also a question that I would ask when I was teaching, uh, some middle schoolers, a little math is you mentioned that we can create these equations in this math. Um, the question that I would posit to these middle schoolers was, do you think that math was invented or discovered? And so I'm curious what what your the two of your takes are on that question because yeah um yeah I mean do you think it was invented or discovered especially given how clearly intertwined it is with things like string string theory physics at large etc
0: I think math was discovered for a couple of reasons but I'm primarily basing this off of an audiobook that I've been in the process of listening to and I might have to have Aiden. Do you recall the name of the psych audiobook?
2: I do not but I can link okay, it in the we'll show have notes.
0: To, we'll link it in the show notes but because humans generally have a basic, this is the argument presented in the book, I'm also not going to do this justice but my understanding and my reasoning because humans have a basic understanding of mathematical relationships without knowing the math, and I'll give you an example. If you are looking at a 90 degree triangle, a right triangle, and for those of you who don't know what a right triangle, it's okay. Make an L with your hands, um, doesn't matter how, and then connect wherever the top of the L and the bottom of the L is. Uh, you have made a right triangle if your L is how an L should be <laughs> in the English language. Okay, and if you walk to the top of your L, we're talking about an uppercase L just so you guys know. If you walk to the top of your L, you've walked some distance, right? Now, if you walk back so that you're at the corner of your L, and then you walk the other direction to the end of the bottom of the L, those two lengths are about the same. But everyone knows that if you're trying to get from the top of the L, to the bottom corner of the L, you know that probably you're going to want to go the shortest distance, right? So those sorts of understandings, and I did not do it justice, but being able to think that critically, that models the Pythagorean theorem. A squared plus B squared equals C squared. These are things that humans have the ability to comprehend without the mathematical equations. And so I would posit after lots of other experts have already made this argument, that humans discovered math because it was something that we already understood and existed all around us.
1: Yeah, <clears throat> that's a pretty good illustration if they caught that. Um, and that book sounds really fascinating. I think, and I'm, I am would guess that that book touched on it, that Pythagoras was one of these people who believed numbers were a real thing in the universe and they were the natural state of the world. And this is kind of like a platonic idea, right, um, with his, what is the allegory of the caves, um, where every single physical object that we see actually has this true identity in this sort of uh, world of forms, as he called it, um, kind of like a spiritual world or like a ideal world. And I think, so I, I kind of, I've been posited this question like a number of times, and I've been pretty lazy with it. Um, because I just I think it's just kind of big brain stuff sometimes sometimes I'm just like, I can't wrap my head around this and I fall into the trappings of sort of um fall into like kind of a general like kind of platonic theory of forms when I think of our numbers discovered where I'm just kind of like well can we could kind of say that about almost anything really like these things always kind of existed we just had to find them as humans and as it was Plato's thing it's like no you don't learn anything you're just discovering what like the world already is or discovering what the world already knew, whatever it is, or you already knew and stuff like that. Um, but so, but whatever I do, I think today in this moment, I will lean towards, we do discover math. Um, it is, I, I might even just like, you know, go a the step farther and just say like, yeah, like I think perhaps math and numbers are the true state of the universe. Um, and if you believe in a God, perhaps that's how God writes the universe. Perhaps that's his true, um, or their true kind of, um like how they thread the universe or whatever but not even getting too spiritual just in general I, I think it is discovered i think that is the true nature of the universe and um i think a lot of great minds obviously <laughs> agree but uh, yeah it's a really fascinating question because all these things like two plus two cannot equal anything but four. like everything that you're talking about like these all these int um intuitions and all of these um kind of i don't know just going back to your thing about the predictions that math makes for example, like with I did not believe Einstein, even though he had this theory and this idea about gravity and the black holes, he like I'm pretty sure he spent some of his life like trying to disprove that these were a thing because he was just like this isn't like something about it wasn't enough or something like that. Yeah, but then um, his predecessors ended up like figuring things out with me and being like no, like your math is telling us that these black holes exist in this manner, and then they end up discovering it, and it's the same thing time and time again with uh, Newton discovering, or inventing calculus, however you wanna um, say it, to cover the moon and to discover Halley's comet's um, trajectory, elliptical trajectory. And um, there's been multiple celestial bodies that have been, we knew that they existed simply because the math told us they existed. And then years later, we observed them with our own eyes. Um, So the math, time and time again, is ahead of us. And just this, this thing that's sitting there waiting for us to figure this out as like these silly hairless apes and i think going back to your point on um or i guess taking all this and bringing it back with string theory because people might still be like if there's no if we can't observe these strings if we don't know for sure they exist why where did this come from and it that's where it came from is the math the math is saying these things should exist these strings should exist if we want to create this tier of everything if we want black holes in the quantum world and our world to make sense and fit together. These things should exist. Different dimensions, which we haven't gotten into yet, um, should exist if we want all of this to work out um, beautifully, which is what math is.
2: Yeah. Uh, man, <laughs> mic drop on, the, on that uh, monologue, Dre. I think that, yeah, I, I'm going to also just kind of echo both of you because we're we're all on the... It seems like the same side i would say that we discovered it as well uh because i also subscribe to what dre described as the mathematically universe hypothesis where there is a foundation with which the universe uh exists uh that is the rules of math uh and uh yeah i think there's a lot of evidence for that but also we're common scientists and and we there's always uncertainty in anything that we might posit and we're only trying to come closer and closer to the truth Uh, but yeah just uh, yeah just say to our our listeners I would recommend looking into that some there's uh, a physicist by the name of Max Tegmark who does it justice in his book the mathematical universe or our mathematical universe I believe and he goes into uh yeah just kind of breaking down some of these uh abstract topics into more layman speak but
0: yeah and I think I just want to reiterate math is so cool guys math is so cool and especially any women out there or girls who are listening to this cast I was discouraged for a long, long time about being involved in math. When I was better at it, I felt, I felt weird early, early on, and so I stopped signing up for the courses. I wasn't as engaged in the conversation, and I didn't realize how impactful mathematics and these relationships and working to understand some of this is. Not these huge, huge, huge theories, but at its core, I mean, it starts with your multiplication tables, right? And it starts with an understanding of what happens when there's a variable in an equation. These, these middle school and high school concepts that are being taught where sometimes I think we're missing this impact and this story behind math. And so if you're not convinced and if you're not sure what to take away from this cast, I would suggest two things. Number one, math has been right much much further in advance and more often than not math has prevailed and number two now you can say you know something about string theory and you can just drop it in conversation that equations are potentially all connected through strings meaning that we could model all of the universe in one complex system and we're gonna we're gonna keep talking about it but i just wanted to pause to say we have the pretty cool candor right now in this common science cast but what we're talking about is so freaking awesome okay you can continue Aiden
2: (laughs) yeah I I mean I agree to no end and that's why I'm uh studying biostatistics which is a a sub-discipline within math uh but yeah I mean just to make it real more real for people and to provide a few examples as to why physics and math is so cool and so useful and string theory as well uh to to tie back to the title of this podcast is so uh i mean elon musk he when asked how he tackles all these different types of problems he says he boils it down to the physics whether it be a business problem whether it be how do i get this rocket to the moon whether it be whatever it might be he's like, okay, I got to think back down to the fundamental laws of physics. Well, force equals mass times acceleration. Well, whatever the, the physical law that applies to the problem entropy, where, uh, everything tends towards disorder, uh, over time in the universe, like these, these fundamental physical laws can be applied to any sorts of problems you might have. It could be your personal finance. It could be like, it could be your job. Uh, so that's a, a segue to into uh, Jim Simmons. Did you guys ever come across Jim Simmons in your research?
1: I don't believe so.
0: Less so.
2: So this guy, the mathematician who cracked Wall Street. So he's the co-inventor of one of the most, or in, in my eyes, the co-discoverer of one of the most important parts of string theory called Chern-Simmons three-form. He's a professor and he during his academic career made this discovery that's a found like a building block of of string theory and he's also i believe the most successful hedge fund manager of all time so jim simmons uh and there's more many more examples of of mathematicians who did well outside of the the outside of just the financial world and i'd like to just state that because making making millions of dollars is not the end all be all but his net worth is estimated to be about 25.2 billion dollars and he his hiring strategy was to not hire anybody from wall street he would hire mathematicians like biologists, statisticians, you name it, chemists, like scientists and curious people, and they would apply these abstract concepts to doing quite well. Um, Obviously, this is an an extreme example of someone, and it's funny, too, that he discovered a piece of string theory. Um, But, yeah, uh, it's just kind of a wild wild example of of people using math in their in their careers and and prof- professional lives as well
1: yeah that's really awesome um and that obviously goes to with just like mathematical models and predicting things obviously because people think that i think a lot of people think that like the stock exchange and things of that matter are largely in the economy is large like an art and that's simply because there's so many variables with human i don't know, behavior and stuff like that that's really hard to calculate but I think I, I'm under the understanding, and if you guys disagree that it is a calculable we just we just can't do it or like we don't have the ability as of now. But it seems as I'm understanding Jim
2: Simmons you said? Jim Simmons, yeah. Simmons
1: Simmons, like he is because of his mastery of math and leading him to even discover yeah. things with string theory, he's able to kind of model these things, um, like hedge funds much better and therefore be ultra like the most successful guy of all time. And, um, I mean, that's, that's, that's really awesome. And it's really cool to think about <laughs> just like, I mean, even like, obviously I love basketball. So you think about just like, if you could just like model like every single basketball situation, that aspect, and just like, you know, if you could do it quick enough and, and you, you would have a extreme advantage. And a lot of these, now this, it's, it's kind of like this era of an- analytical basketball that we're in
0: mm-hmm. where there's
1: GMs, like a guy named Darren Morey, who is, or at least used to be the GM of the Rockets, um, he just is like a number, huge numbers guy, huge stats guy, and he's just like, if we do these things, like the data, the math says, we will win games, and he does win a lot of games, not perfect, he's never been in a championship, but um, there's things like that that are really, really fascinating to me, and a lot of it really, um, really brings the idea of LaPaz's Demon to me. Are you guys remember Laplace's Demon?
0: I don't think so.
1: No. Okay, so Laplace's Demon... Is th- this has been I, I'm sure it's hundreds of years old, um, but it's an idea or a concept that has proliferated throughout the last few centuries, and I, I believe it started in a more spiritual, more Christian age, where this philosopher Laplace um, posited that if there was a being sufficient enough with enough knowledge and enough processing, or getting think fast enough, or whatever, he could predict every single current event, future event, and past event. And now that's more so, um, now that we're not kind of in that age anymore, that's more so applied to like a supercomputer. And um, that where if you plugged in enough data, if it knew, if it can pinpoint all these different atoms and the speed, the velocity that they're going and this and blah, 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 it could essentially predict every single thing that's going to happen in the future. And it could eventually backtrack and go back to the Big Bang and figure out everything that's happened in the past. And most, um, I believe most scientists or thinkers, have kind of written this off as science fiction, whether it be it's just not, like, logically possible or I think usually it's that it would um, require, like, a processing speed or, like, energy that would, like, the universe just can't create. Like, it would, like, have to be more than the universe or something like that. But that's just kind of been an idea that's really kind of uh, plagued my mind a little bit and kind of really fascinated me with ideas of supercomputer simulation theory, God. Um, And I kind of... And whenever I hear someone like Jim Simmons or like a Daryl Moore or something trying to predict all these variables, it always comes to mind. I'm just like, I don't know, we're getting, we're not going to get there, but we're getting close. I feel like we're going to get there like a couple thousand years, you know? Yeah,
2: we're making huge waves and it kind of harkens back a little bit to our podcast on AI, but the, the advent of machine learning in particular, and again, that's seems like a, a hard topic to just kind of drop in in conversation but the premise is that you take a whole bunch of data uh, and you can feed it through an algorithm which is a set of instructions and that uh, can learn over time the more data you have the more or the better it will get at making predictions and yeah i mean i i also have had that thought uh and as far as like if you could collect every data point in the universe at one time that you could predict the future and i think that that my belief is that that is true um but the the question would be is is like is it possible right like you said to have a computer or whatever else or a detector that's the size of the universe right and that can know uh where or what is going on at every one point and and it sounds a little similar to the concept of god but um
0: okay i gotta jump in because for anyone thinking whoa 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 where did we go from string theory let me just remind you that all of these mathematical equations that we are talking about right now through string theory are all connected through vibrating strings and so we have not actually diversed or digressed far from string theory, right? What we're saying is that each mathematical relationship, from the basketball modeling that Dre was talking about, to the mathematical relationships that Aiden was talking about that are being used successfully in the stock market, to the potential idea of a supercomputer connecting it all and predicting the future and, the, and understanding the past, this is is the network of string theory. This is the idea of connectedness of every mathematical relationship. This is it. This is string theory in a more understandable, bite-sizable piece. And now if you're like, okay, Lauren, we just went super meta. Can you give me something that I can possibly understand a little bit more easily? I want to bring it to one of my favorite toys growing up. And it's called a Hoberman expanding sphere, and I don't I don't know if anyone actually knows what that is because nobody knows actual toy names. But if you think of these little balls, you'll sometimes see them in like doctors' offices or I don't know daycares. Right, they're like these little balls that are um, connected through like toys that expand and contract so you can you can pull two sides of the sphere apart and it'll become this like big huge ball and then when you push it together it'll contract again so if you're if you can picture what i'm what i'm explaining awesome if you can't look it up it's called the hoberman sphere that in an in and or, of itself or
2: if you're driving look at it up look it up yeah you're parked, if you're driving or... look it
0: up later <laughs> um that is i think the best model that most people would know that would show you what string theory would look like and if you're looking at an image of the hoberman sphere each point on that sphere each area of connectedness could be a different mathematical relationship so hopefully that can give you a bit more context about about the connectedness, but I'd love to talk about, if we can, the areas and the dimensions of what string theory posited for the universe. I'm going to toss it to Dre, and I think that's a really fascinating next step of what string theory did for science, or is proposing of science.
1: Mm -hmm. First off, thank you, yeah, for kind of um, redirecting that to just, like, using the word string theory, but, and as you said, I don't think, like we definitely, like you were saying, we definitely didn't really get off track because what our listeners and what everybody, what we have to keep in mind when it comes to string theory, it's a hypothetical theory of everything. So if you're talking about math, if you're talking about science, you're talking about the string theory to some um, capacity. And yes, you are right. We would be absolutely remiss if we did not talk about dimensions. And there's a couple other ideas that we need to touch on, like the large hadron collider, supersymmetry, et cetera, but dimensions. So we are familiar with, our oh, sense Einstein created or coined or posited space time. We are familiar with through the three spatial dimensions and then also time, which combined create space time. Now string theory and again where did so there's ten depending on which theory you're looking at, there can be ten dimensions total, eleven dimensions total. Or there's also like 26 is a common number and a bunch of other depending on what mathematical model you're looking at. But 10 and 11 are usually brought up. And you might be thinking, where are these extra six or seven dimensions coming from? And they're coming from the math. Everything that we know about reconciling quantum mechanics with gravity and Einstein's theories of relativity say, I mean not we, these smart guys, say that there should be multiple dimensions. And again, we are following the math. The math has been right before. So, there are different ideas when it comes to these dimensions. Sometimes they're um, they're like different ver- like universes. Um, sometimes they're just like it's 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 really hard to actually lay out. Maybe you guys can like lay out. Then I know there's like a kind of like an ant, like a two-dimensional ant idea and all that stuff. But essentially, they are they're they are dimensions that we just can't observe. Or interact with um, consciously but they do impact us and when it comes to strings um, the strings are actually like vibrating and curling in and out of these other six or seven dimensions but many string theorists believe because of our limited capacity of our brain our reception and our tools we will never directly observe these dimensions so I don't know if you guys can, yeah. I don't know if you guys can, do you guys have like a an knowledge you can lay out to help people conceptualize I, I can, this?
0: I can do my best. So if you're not already mind blown, it's okay. Cause yeah, it's just way, way, way complicated. But again, I'm not one of the famous people who talk about science, but let me do my common science best. Um, our universe has four known, known dimensions, right? So toss out string theory for just a moment, put your little science explorer cap on, write four dimensions. Up and down, gravity, when we jump, we will go up and we will go back down. Left and right, we can model this on a graph, Uh, you can visualize this, left and right, everyone knows left and right, and then back and forth. You can move to a position and you can move back to a position. Yes, y-axis,
1: x-axis, z-axis.
0: Good. So those are the mathematical terms for what I just (laughs) said. (laughs) Up and down, left and right, back and forth. Okay, those are three. Then time, which all of us have some concept of, right? So we have functioned, our mathematics have functioned on the basis of these four things that we now learn in middle school and high school that are influenced in everything we do that are a part of what creates the mathematical relationships and what is inundated in the math that we use to create laws, like speeding the things I mentioned earlier. And so what Dre is saying, what string theory did, is that if you assume connectedness, if you assume the strings, then all of a sudden we're able to see that instead of these four dimensions that we understand there might be like 11, which is nuts. And like Dre also said, we might not ever be able to actually see or, or prove that these dimensions exist because we might just not be capable of it, which is pretty crazy because we know that the four dimensions that we do see are so inundated in our lives, right? You know up and down, you know left and right, you know back and forth, you know time, there may be all of these other dimensions that are interplaying that we just don't see.
2: Yeah, um, and what's wild and mind-bending, so just uh, for our listeners to try to bring this to the, back to the, the real world somewhat, <laughs> again, I say somewhat, like, imagine yourself being born as a baby. Right, and you have your whole life ahead of you. Imagine if somebody, like, you were dropping. I'm trying to think of of an, a good analogy in this instance, but say like, say you've got your your Google Maps on at all time, and it's tracking where you're going through the, your entire life. That is a string throughout time. So every like where you go you're leaving a, a path or a track and all of those locations connected throughout time that is a string and so where these other dimensions become a thing more so is when you start to interrelate these these strings from one to the other uh, and then that's when it gets really mind-bending mind right if you're like trying to conceptualize man, if I, I lived my whole life and there was a, a track um, everywhere I went, like whether it be breadcrumbs I'm leaving everywhere I went and and we can take a, a picture of that, that string of you traveling throughout the world throughout your whole life. And then we're comparing that uh, to other people's paths and, and stories and, and whatever else throughout time as well. You end up with a mind-boggling number of relationships. So,
0: so look at your Hoberman sphere. For those of you who are just like clutching your little toy, feeling really <laughs> overwhelmed, look, look at the photo, look at the toy. Imagine if all of those points were connecting you, had this just messy, messy spider web of connections. And then you can think, kind of abstractly, really abstractly, that those relationships, all of those connections, could create mathematical relationships that instead of up and down left and right back and forth in time created a whole lot more than that that is string theory in a nutshell
1: yeah oh man Your, your head hurt Dre. Yeah, it's getting there. Lauren, you're pretty good at simplifying these things and, like, you doing giving these visuals out like that. Um, and it's funny, too, because we we're kind of saying this, and Aiden just said it recently, like, let's bring it to the real world. But if string theory is correct, string theory is, is the real, real world. Yeah. It's the more real than anything that we experience, which is what's so awesome. Um, so, yeah, with, I won't go too much into it like you guys really want to talk about it, but with these dimensions, a lot of times people talk about them or, like, <clears throat> kind of, it's, it happens a lot in sci-fi or, like, cartoons and stuff where people think of them as like parallel universes or like there's the idea of infinite worlds. And that is, so the infinite worlds and um, parallel universes and 11 possible universe, all these type of ideas are kind of their own thing. But they do, again, string theory is the theory of everything. So it does envelop pretty much any mathematical model or concept that is plausible in science. So there, are, there is room for multiple worlds in science string theory and some people posit that these different dimensions are multiple worlds and an interesting thing of why like why would someone like are scientists or physicists are they just being like kooky and like just trying to make up like these crazy ideas but again you have to follow the math and when einstein um when einstein's equations kind of like we're trying to figure out black holes and gravity and when he saw that that he predicted that the universe it's expanding from the Big Bang, but it should be slowing down because of gravity. One of the four, quote-unquote, um, nat- like forces of nature. And what he saw was that it's actually expanding. So people were like, whoa, that doesn't make any sense conceptually. Like, why is that happening? And what they... So then in comes dark energy. Dark energy essentially is... We obviously don't know exactly what it is, but it's essentially what it is causing the expansion of the universe like to increase and all that stuff and it's super symmetry or sorry not super symmetry uh string theory is trying to mathematically solve and discover what is dark energy, what is dark matter, these things that make up the majority of our universe. And that's that also is where a lot of these dimensions come into play because there's a lot of models where it's like point zero, like hundred and twenty zeros three one eight of our universe's dark energy. But it's like that doesn't make any sense until you bring in the other dimensions. Now, if things like gravity and dark energy are not only going through our own dimension, but are going through the other seven, six, seven, whatever dimensions, then the math works itself out. And that's how we get these other dimensions. And that's why we think that there are these different dimensions. That's why we think these strings are flowing in and out of multiple dimensions that we don't observe. And that's where we're also looking for what we are calling call super symmetrical partners or super partners um which we can get into a second but it looks like you guys want to add something or say something
0: yeah i know i just i just wanted to reiterate so the problem was right we had up and down and we had an equation for up and down it was mm-hmm. gravity we had left and right and we had an equation for left and right i wish i knew which one that was and we had back and forth and we had time right the problem was that there were all these unanswered phenomena that we knew existed. The black hole, it didn't fit with our model. Uh, This dark energy, it didn't fit with our model. And so we had to assume that if math is right, and everything that we've seen shows that math should be right, we would be able to find a model that could connect these things and would give us a better answer, right? An answer that allowed for black holes and gravity. And that's where we ended up with these eleven dimensions instead of four, because we needed to find an answer where all of these pieces could potentially fit together.
2: Yeah. Um you said it you said it well there, Lauren. One thing I guess I just wanted to touch on too after what Dre uh was describing is again, it's my my conception, so dark matter, it's it make what we have measured is is we think that it makes up more than half of the universe, right? I believe so. Yeah. Yeah, so Lauren is just verifying me. Uh, um, and I believe, we, like, why do we call it dark matter?
1: I think it's just because we don't know what it is. Okay. But I could be wrong.
2: Yeah, I I think yeah, we, and we're not we're not really able to perceive it, obviously. Because we can. It's dark,
1: yes, we. I don't think we've observed it. We've observed its influence, like where. Black hole should be and where a planet should be. It's like there's this space of like mm. non matter that's like, but something like gravity or something, that's bending space time, it's doing this. Something is there, right? That's an impacting matter that we can observe, and we're calling that dark matter. Okay,
2: okay,
0: okay. So you're both a little bit wrong, okay, but close. So here's what I want to tell our listeners about 27 percent of the universe is made up of dark matter still a big chunk it's a big (laughs) chunk it's a big chunk however what we understand to be matter those four dimensions what we understand now this is the part where you're more right than wrong i would say what we understand is matter up and down back and forth left and right time only accounts for five percent of the universe that creates a whole lot of unknown okay so what we're saying is dark matter outweighs visible matter roughly six to one 27 to five percent of what's known and then there's okay. a lot of unknown
2: uh, okay wow thank you for that clarification yeah that no sense. problem yeah um Yeah. Do you want to get into supersymmetry a tad?
1: Yeah. So this is again. This is. I mean, supersymmetry is tough. I if you've never heard the song "Supersymmetry" from Arcade Fire, on the Her, the movie Her soundtrack, mind blowing, amazing. But, um, so supersymmetry, so supersymmetry theories, again, follow the math. They they've been created because when you use these theories, um, the theory of energy the theory of everything is possible we can unify and reconcile all of our other scientific theories, quantum mechanics and general relativity specifically so supersymmetry theories posit that every single particle that we have that we experience, observe in our modern world like uh, neutrinos, quarks electrons, have a super partner this is hypothetical because we have never observed a super partner before, we've never found one I believe they're either operating the superpartners are either operating on um like with with like no mass or like no like a signature that we either can't recognize or they're operating within other dimensions, similar to like the strings would. And these superpartner, the reason why they posit the superpartners because if these superpartners are true, if every one of the the quarks, electrons, etc., cetera, et cetera, so the superpartner to the electron is the selectron. If these superpartners exist, the math works itself out. And we can start figuring, like, in uh, the universe will be way more open to us and how we understand it and how we can interact with it. How so, how so, how do we get away from theory and into practicality? The way that we do that with supersymmetry is the Large Hadron Collider. The Large Hadron Collider is the largest super collider in the world, and it's about 27 kilometers long. I believe it's in under Switzerland and France, I believe and I believe it's the biggest machine in the world I, I, I think I just said that but and what it's doing is at these crazy high speeds in these crazy high um, forces energies, it's colliding subatomic particles, so colliding electrons, protons, etc, etc and then it's, it's kind of filtering through and seeing what do we have here can we find these superpartners? can we find um, other particles that we didn't know existed, and the answer is Superpartners, we haven't found it yet, but the answer is yes. We can find, discover, create other particles that did not exist in our realm before we were not able to observe. For example, we discovered with the Large Hadron Collider, only like three years, two or three years after its first run, we discovered the Higgs boson. Higgs boson and the Higgs field is not something I understand. All I know is that the Higgs boson is called the the God particle, and it was one of those... These, like, things that math had predicted time and time again. If this thing exists, so much of our math and what our understanding of physics would make sense. So this most likely exists. And they use the Large Hadron Collider to smash all these particles together until, in 2012, they end up finding the Higgs boson. And that is what they're trying to do with the LHC to find the superpartners, which would bring together a possible theory of everything.
0: I cannot try. think of any elementary toy that describes that. Sorry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> wow. Uh yeah, I, I got nothing. Ain't it?
2: Uh yeah, I mean it's like if you went bowling and you're smashing a bowling ball <laughs> into <laughs> in uh another bowling ball and something new pops out so i don't know i, I got nothing that, <laughs> that, that would, yeah. be, so would be make make too much sense uh wow so man.
0: needless to say string theory super complex i do want to turn back the clock just a moment and i'm guessing the 68 percent or whatever you had said about dark matter was actually specific to dark energy So there's a distinction, listeners, if you've heard this or heard these numbers thrown around, between dark energy and dark matter. Dark matter, which is stuff, right, makes up 27%, which is what I had said earlier. Normal matter, which I don't know why we call it normal, because it's only 5%, makes up 5%. Um, And then dark energy, which is different, matter is stuff, energy is energy, it makes up roughly 68%. So I just wanted to throw that out there. Uh small differences that are very important matter versus energy and some percentages that were thrown around. Definitely. But An- string theory.
1: Yeah. And dark matter is different than antimatter. So you'll see antimatter a lot in sci-fi and it usually has some special properties, but it doesn't really have that in everyday life. Like we we are familiar with antimatter in the real world and It does not have all these, like, crazy, like, you can go at the speed of light, like, things like that you'll see. Um, Much different than dark matter, Um, number one. We understand it much. Like, we don't understand anything about dark matter, to my understanding. And then also, um, shoot, something about dark energy. I don't know, but, yeah, that was a good breakdown. Yeah, so dark matter, antimatter, and then our matter, I guess. The matter we interact with on a daily basis.
0: And then dark energy, Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah,
1: with energy and matter, though. So, like, if you break, so matter essentially is just energy vibrating or like going at a certain speed like under certain conditions under a certain part or whatever interacting right and isn't so even isn't the string like filaments So they're just energy though right they're just like energy waves or not, maybe not waves but and then they're just vibrating and then that is matter is manifested from that energy
0: Correct. Within the context of string theory?
1: Ah, Ye- uh, yes. Yeah,
0: I, th- I think so. That's how I would understand it. Clearly, I'm a common scientist who knows this is zero. But yeah, that's what I would...
1: <laughs> yeah, isn't, isn't that that. how we understand just like the standard models or like the traditional models too, isn't energy is... Like matter still comes from energy, doesn't it? They're not like...
0: Right, I think matter, the The difference is that matter takes up space and volume and energy does not. Energy is transferring between space and volume, therefore we have a distinction. But yes, you can both derive energy from matter and you can also, tra- also transfer energy through matter. But that's, I mean, it's just, I don't know, it's yeah. like the science aside.
1: Yeah, this has been a great conversation, and we gotta be like on some crazy time. But I do want—I know a lot of times we have like one thing that we always want to say we don't get to it. One thing I want to say, just fun fact, and it just came to mind when we were talking with the Large Hadron Collider. There was like there was published articles, and there was like a like a huge scare that when the Large Hadron Collider or any of the colliders were being created, that it would tear open like the space-time continuum or like create like a black hole the size of a pinhead, which would suck up a lot. Like, Michael's like, holes are crazy, power would definitely suck up the Earth. <laughs> so, like, that was, like, the thing is, like, there was, like, serious scientists, like, writing and being, like, no, like, do not create this super collider. It can create a black hole, and you will doom us all. And so that was, that's really fascinating to me, but not true, obviously.
2: That's a, yeah, a huge, huge fun fact to, to end on. uh Yeah, and I think that also just kind of echoes how little we, we do know as ourselves as common scientists but also uh humanity as a whole like we there's a lot that humanity as a whole has to learn and there's a lot that we take for granted that we even say today is truth that will probably be debunked at some point uh and i mean that's historically been such the case is that we'll we'll have some concept some theory of something and then somebody smarter or who has more resources down the line can, uh, yeah, get us get us as a, as a as an individual or as a, as the species as a whole closer to the truth. But yeah. and
0: thus a theory of everything would be closer to the truth. So that's it for this week, common scientists. I hope that this cast flexed your brain just a little. Maybe you'll have to go drink some tea or something after this one. It was a bit tough, but. I think more than anything, this theory, this scientific understanding of connection is quite fascinating. Each point, each interaction being connected and having connectedness. And it is pretty cool to, even if you didn't understand it, even if it pushed you, perplexed you, I know it did for me, that hopefully you feel some satisfaction in knowing that you took part in a conversation that only the brightest, only the best and brightest of scientists, depending on who you're talking to, are engaging in. And that is common science, being brave enough to get in the arena of science and ask questions and explore crazy ideas. Well, common scientists, that's it for this week. You can subscribe to our podcast, you can throw us a like, follow us on Twitter, follow us on Instagram, Subscribe on our email list and see you next time on Common Science.